Nation. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Average Critics, joined by Chris Andovey. How are you both? Very well, thanks. Good. So uh, this is the second pod in in about a week, so uh, we're making up for lost time over the Christmas period. Um, But now that, you know, films are being released, series are out, we've got a bit more time, we don't have to spend it with family, you know. I've been binge watching stuff, so um, yeah. But I know that you two have been watching Cobra Kai, so we normally run out of time for things like that. So why don't you two just start us off with Cobra Kai? I think we're on series four. Yeah, season four. So you know, catch catch us up. What happened at the end of season three? What happened in season four? And, and what does it look forward to in season five? Okay, so end of season three. Um, so start of season three, we had Miyagi Do versus um, Cobra Kai. Uh, what's his face came in? Uh, Kreese came comes in, infiltrates Cobra Kai. Um, Johnny doesn't like this, so he breaks off and forms his own dojo called Eagle <laughs> Eagle Fang <laughs> Dojo. Eagle um, Fang. Eagle Fang. <laughs> does he realise that eagles don't have teeth? <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> Should be Eagle so, Beak. Yeah. So. Basically, the kids do a madness. Um, the Cobra Kai kids uh, attack the Miyagi Do kids at Daniel Larusso's house, and all sorts of shit. How no, how no, no, no one is in prison is besides me. Honestly, yeah, this is the thing. This is the thing about this show. You have to, you have to suspend your disbelief <laughs> so yeah. hard, so so hard. Even the fact that most of these kids have been have been learning karate for like m- maybe just over a year, and they're all like fucking killing experts. But anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, so, uh, when they break into the house and all that shit kicks off, um, Daniel and Johnny, they're like, um, okay, this has gone too far. We have to join forces. We have to join forces. So they say to Crease, um, the next All Valley tournament, wh- whoever's, um, dojo wins, that you have to, the other dojo has to quit, has to stop being a dojo. So that's how season three ends with them two, with Johnny and Daniel, who were previously obviously enemies, them teaming up. So in season four carries on with that theme. Um, but obviously those two, because they can't see past each other's like, like they're both so stubborn and they're both so set in their ways, they can't get along. So they're trying to do the whole combined dojo thing, but then they end up split, having like sections inside the same dojo. But then even that doesn't work because um, Miguel starts um, hanging out with uh, Daniel and kind of like bonding with him. Same way, kind of, it's like Sam kind of starts bonding with Johnny a little bit and kind of learning a bit more about, like, Eagle eagle Fang type fighting. So then they end up biting heads again, so then they split off again. So now it is, again, Eagle Fang, Miyagi-Do, and Cobra Kai. Meanwhile, over at Cobra Kai, John Kreese um, recruits Terry Silver back from, who was in Karate Kid 3, and he's basically a massive nutter. And basically he goes to his house, and Terry Silver's, like, living lavish, like, hasn't fought back karate in years. Um, and they do a little moment where they talk about how, like, um, he talks about how, like, how fucked up it was that he was, like, terrorising, like, Daniel LaRusso in, in, in Quake Kid 3. He was, like, I was coked up out of my mind, terrorising a teenager. Like, I don't want to go back to that life. Um, but then, basically, John Kreese convinces him to come back and kind of convinces him that, oh, actually, this is the life that he belongs to, kind of thing. So he's, like, got it in his mind now. He, now he's fixated with like um reigniting Cobra Kai and getting them back to their glory da, 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 da. but he's like a businessman so I think he's thinking of it from more like a business point of view so like he gets them like new um 
new equipment, new uh, training gear, um, and he wants to like expand Cobra Kai into like in throughout the valley or wherever the fuck that is. Um, so yeah, so where are we at now this season? So basically, a few kids, uh, one kid as well called Kenny, is being bullied by Daniel Lewis's son. Who's a complete and utter fucking prick? I hate him so much. I'm so, oh god, yeah. <laughs> he's such an arsehole. He's, so, he's funny, like the kid, the actor, has got really good comedic timing, but he himself is a prick. Like the character's a prick. Um, and yeah, he's bullying this kid called Kenny. Um, this kid, Kenny, his older brother, um, was in um, what they call it, juvenile detention. Yeah, with um, with with Robbie. So obviously he goes to visit his older brother. The older brother says, "Oh, go and see Robbie. He'll help you out." So that kid joins Cobra Kai. And Robbie's kind of like turned to the dark side in terms of like now he's with Cobra Kai because he hates his dad and he hates Daniel so much. So now he's joined forces with Kreese. But at the same time, he knows that like he's, I feel like he's a bit more clued up than everyone else about like uh, Kreese and Terry Silver and whoever else like trying to manipulate him. So he kind of like says that um, he wants to just get what he can out of Cobra Kai and then cut basically. Um, Chris, if I'm forgetting anything, feel free to jump in and... Yeah, cool, Um, So, yeah, Robbie kind of, like, takes Kenny under his wing and says, kind of, like, I want to try and, like, teach him how to fight, but also not to fully buy into Cobra Kai, because I think Robbie realises that Cobra Kai is pretty, like, pretty toxic. Um, And then, meanwhile, you've got this, the Tory character, who, from also Cobra Kai, who's, like, struggling quite a lot, um, like, outside of... uh, karate she got like, kicked out of school her mum has got like a serious illness so she has to look after her little brother she has to have a job she has to get a job um and then sam's mum um which is daniel russo's wife she comes to toy's place of work and basically says leave my daughter alone like when this tournament is over it's over otherwise you're gonna have to deal with the consequences i'll call the police blah blah blah, blah. toy ends up causing the scene gets herself fired and then that makes the mum feel sorry for her because she didn't know about her living situation at home blah 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 I didn't particularly like his storyline because um, Tori literally was going to kill her daughter. Like, she got, like, a flipping, like, knuckle dusters with, like, spikes on them and shit. And then she got nunchucks. Like, she was trying to fuck Sam up. <laughs> like, badly. <laughs> like, he anyway. went crazy. She went mad. Like, she went mad. <laughs> and, like, the whole... That's like, at the end of season two... Sorry, I'm, I'm going over the place. At the end of season two, there was a massive fight in high school which um, in which Miguel one of the main characters, he nearly died, like, he, but he, and he was basically, like, paralysed for a little bit, and that all started because of Tori, like, because she's fucking mental. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, they're trying you to... You can never art. trust the Tories, can you? You can't, mate. It, oh, I, I like that. That's clever, that is. Um, <laughs> but, like, they're trying to do, give Tori, like, this arc of, like, you feeling sorry for her because you learn more about her background, but for me, I was like, nah, this girl's a fucking witch, mate. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't having it personally. But, yeah. Anyway. Um, and then Miguel... So he's one of the main characters, probably the last of the main-ish characters. He's kind of like... Mm, he kind of has a, has a weird arc this season. So his, his arc's kind he, of like... He, oh, he's put, put back on the back seat. Mm. Like, I think he's one of the reasons that people really like the series mm. and really just like didn't really include him. Mm. I feel I agree. I agree. I think, I think the actor himself actually is, re- is a... Like, out of all the... Actually, Probably out of all of them, he's probably one of the better actors, I would say, uh, in in the series. Especially when he has like he has a couple like of emotional scenes with um with Johnny Johnny Lawrence, um because he's kind of like his pseudo dad kind of thing. Um, that, and that scene was so forced. There, there was like a scene where he got upset, 
because he put Johnny to bed, didn't he? Oh, no, I felt that. I was like, right, that's kind of of deep. (laughs) I just, I thought he came out of nowhere because, like, obviously Mm. Johnny like, pining for Miguel to be his, like, stepson almost, Mm -hmm. like, and then he all of a sudden in the middle of the sleep goes, oh, Robbie, like, I want to help you. Yeah, well, this is the thing. So, like, so, it was a bit, gone, sorry. No, go on, carry on, let's try it. I was going to say, to give, that, to give that scene a bit of context, so um, so Robbie, um, who you mentioned earlier, is Johnny Lawrence's son, who Johnny is pretty much abandoned over his life, over the course of his life. Um, and Miguel is basically, for lack of a better word, like Johnny's like son. Not really a son, but he's a kid that he's taken in, taught him karate, um, blah, 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 and they have like a really strong bond. And basically Miguel and Robbie get into a fight um, in like episode six or seven after the prom. And Robbie basically says, like, my dad's only has this relationship with you because he fucked up with me. Like, you're basically just, you're just like a, a a backup, basically. And then that, like, hits, hits Miguel pretty deep. So then later that night, after Johnny gets beaten up by Terry Silver, um, he's, like, drunk on the floor. And uh, Miguel stops by his, his, uh, his flat and helps him to bed. And then um, they're, like, chatting, chatting, chatting. Obviously, Johnny's drunk. And then... He says something like, I think Joyce says, like, I'm so sorry or something like that. And he says, Miguel basically says, like, don't worry, like, I love you. And then uh, Johnny drunkenly says, I love you too, Robbie. And at which point Miguel's heart just, like, breaks in two. Like, you see it in his face. I'm like, oh, good. So I think that kind of <laughs> sets him on his journey. So he, there's a little trap chat about his dad, basically, who's not around. So at the end of the season, he ends up um, going to Mexico to find his dad and try and actually, like, meet him and have yeah. a relationship with him. But then the mum reveals that the, the dad doesn't even know that he exists. And also the dad is involved in some sort of crime but we don't know what crime specifically that that was that was really good acting from him actually that keeps mm. it although i feel like it's a bit forced obviously for the for the next season i feel mm. like it was a good acting moment for him definitely definitely there's a couple moments as well i think there's two there's that moment and there's one moment with johnny he has where they um where johnny asks him to skip school um and they're eating watermelon in like a little warehouse thing and basically um because Johnny's Johnny and Miguel's mum are going out, and because of that, Johnny started like treating Miguel differently because he like he wanted to kind of be more like a father to him. But Miguel was like getting annoyed by it, like he's saying like just treat me the same way you treat me before because it was fine. And um, basically, they have like a really like nice moment be- moment between the two of them, and you can tell at one point like Miguel's like tearing up, like about to cry when they're ha- having this heart to heart. And I think the actor himself, I think I, re- I was really impressed by. It. By the like the emotion that you put into those two scenes. Yeah, he's mad. To be fair. Um, so yeah, so ignore all of that. We have the All Valley Tournament now. Um, so basically, they change up the rules for the tournament. So it's there's a boy side and a girl side. There's a skills competition, um, and the, each each win, um, the each uh, dojo collects more points basically, and the, basically the dojo with the most points at the end of the whole thing is like the 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 dojo champion basically so you can have your individual champions and then your dojo champion and basically they were saying that the dojo champion is the one who wins it so if miyagi do won it then cobra kai has to quit and vice versa um okay so if that, if that makes any sense if it doesn't then let me know <laughs> um so yeah but they basically did that for a story narrative so that sam could end up having to face tori so that obviously so that could be one and then the boys would have one as well um, uh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so uh, they go through the fights, blah 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 blah. Miguel ends up facing Robbie. Cleans up, cleans up everybody. Um, this kid Kenny um, gets to, I think, is it? 
maybe a quarter final or semi final against Robbie, and basically Robbie Robbie beats him, um, like badly, and then um, the kid, uh, Daniel Larusso's son, goes to like kind of try and say sorry to Kenny for like bullying him and stuff. Um, but Kenny's like not having it, and he's like, "Nah, I'm gonna fuck you up." And he just starts beating him up. And Kenny just starts beating him up, yeah. And then um, Robbie comes in and is like, "What the hell are you doing?" Because he didn't know that um, the, the the boy's bully was um, Daniel Russo's son. And like um, Robbie just kind of sees like the rage in in uh, Kenny's eyes, and he kind of sees that like that Cobra Kai mentality, like strike first mentality, has taken him over, and like that kind of like questions like what he's been doing this whole time with Kenny and like what he's been teaching him because he kind of wanted to take him as a mentor but he didn't want him to end up like the rest of these Cobra Kai guys so then uh, so yeah Robbie, Robbie makes it to the final um, Miguel faces off or is about to face off against um, Hawk uh, or Eli um, Eli at this point who's suffering from a crisis of confidence because he was a bit of a dick in the last like three seasons to be honest and Everyone was treating him that way. Um, and, then the, and then the Cobra Kai guy shaved off his mohawk, so he felt like he lost his identity. Um, but then he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But then he... Um, it's, uh, a, it's a bloody wicked mohawk. If you like mohawk, bloody wicked. Oh, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's like, I don't really know who I am kind of thing. And then his ex-girlfriend comes and basically gives him his, his, his confidence back. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fucking win this whole thing. So then him and Miguel fight for a little bit. Miguel... Um, fucks up his back again uh, and they, they like end the seventh episode with that so you think that like he's proper seriously like done his back in again so he's like paralysed again turns out it's not that bad um, and he's just in like the changing rooms and stuff and he can see how much this fight means to everyone else but him Miguel that is and he kind of like is thinking like, I'm not even fighting for me anymore I'm just fighting for this stupid feud it doesn't really matter so he just basically quits and says fuck it I'm not playing I'm not fighting um, and he just fucks off. So that, this is the point where he goes to find his dad, but nobody knows that at that time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Eli goes straight through to the final. Um, Eli and Robbie face off. And it was a pretty, to be honest, as far as like, choreographed fights go, it's a pretty good fight, I would say, Chris. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a very good very good fight. Although, yeah. I, I look back on some of the fights from Karate Kid, and like probably some of the better fights in Karate Kid come from uh, Jaden Smith's Karate Kid. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Well, who knows if he'll, he might end up in it at some point. Oh, I would. I would love it if. Oh, wait, if, if him and Chan turned up, uh, the girl from uh, Hil- Hilary Swank. That'd be fucking. Obvious. I would. Hilary Swank needs to be in the show. And wait, I'll, and there's a there's a point um, right at the end. Actually, wait. Let me get to that when I get to it. So. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um. So yeah. So Eli and Robbie have a really good fight. Um. For some reason they both take they both take their shirts off, <laughs> and they're fighting. And basically, Robbie has a chance to win, but then he looks at Kenny and sees, like, the fire and violence in Kenny's eyes. And then it kind of, like, I don't know, it kind of, like, brings him out of sync, so he's like, fuck. And then Eli counters, da 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 blah, 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 blah. Eli wins. So Eli is the, wins the, the championship for himself. And then Robbie's like, oh, fuck, lost the game. Because Robbie's been to two finals now, lost them both, loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then he, he fucks up to the changing room. Then Sam and Tori fight. Um... Basically, Cobra Kai, because Robbie was like, is like the best fighter out of everyone pretty much. And he was in Cobra Kai and he learned at Miyagi-Do as well. So he taught Cobra Kai all of Miyagi-Do's moves. So when Sam goes to fight Tori, um, starting off 
with Miyagi though, karate, style karate, which is more defensive style, um, she basically gets fucked up. And then she goes back to her dad, um, and she's like, what do I do? Or like, I need, I need help kind of thing. And she, she knows all my moves. So then Daniel and Johnny join forces again. They say, yeah, me, we're gonna, you can use both of our styles, use a combo, feel it with your gut, do what you want to do, not what I want you to do, because there was an overarching theme of Daniel kind of like trying to control everyone, like trying to control Sam's life and what she kind of did. Who Daniel Russo? But look, like, they treat, like, the way that, the, do you know, sorry, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I, one thing I love about Cobra Kai is the way that, the way they write these characters, because you'll root for someone um, in one season, and then in another season, they'll do something mad, and then you'll and then you'll start rooting against them. Like generally, I like I like Daniel, and obviously he's the protagonist of the of the Karate Kid. But you can see like points in this season where he is you're on his side because he wants to do the right thing, but also he's a bit of a dick and he's really stubborn, and he just and he can't see past anyone's view up, viewpoint but himself. So there are little points where actually his characters are go oh, sorry. Season one, fuck Daniel Russo, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dickhead I like him personally but no. I, I, just, I just love people don't but, uh, that's, fair. that's fair that's fair but like yeah so there are there angers. are like focus on no I was going to say he just angers me he angers me and the way he does things yeah I don't blame you I don't honestly don't blame you so, so like there are things and there are personality traits about all the characters to be honest like every single character where you're like oh actually I really like certain parts of you but actually no now you're you're being a prick. Like, even, like, this kid called Kenny, who was, like, the, who st- who just come in season four, like, the sweetest, most, like, just a wanted, just a normal kid, like, living his life. He was getting bullied. You feel really sorry for him because he just wants to, like, make friends and stuff. Then he joins Cobra Kai and, obviously, like, the mentality changes. He starts becoming, like, a bully kind of thing. Now you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to hate this kid. Like, next season, I'm going to hate him if he's in it. Um, so, I think they do really well with the writing. They're just kind of, like, it's like a bit, but, like, in wrestling when you have, like, characters who like you root for but then they might do a madness and suddenly they turn from a face to a heel and then you're like oh actually i don't like you anymore you know and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. um so, so yeah i really enjoy that about the writing anyway sam uh combines the two styles of karate miyagi bow and uh <laughs> eagle fang and uh fights tori they have a really good fight as well um sam strikes tori and we you think gets a point but because but um Tori goes out of bounds, apparently, and the referee says, oh, no, it's not a point because she stepped out of bounds, even though Sam hit her and then she went out of bounds. So then they were like, OK, no point. Then there's another moment where um, Tori accidentally elbows Sam in the face, and that should, apparently should be a deduction of a point, but the referee said, oh, it's accidental, don't give it, and then they keep playing. Blah, 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 blah. Tori ends up winning, um, and then everyone's like, woo, whatever, whatever. Tori then goes back, she's going back to get a bag, in the office, she sees Terry Silver paying off the referee. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, so she didn't win. She know, Now she knows, and no one else knows, but she knows that she didn't win off her own back. Honestly, um, I think that story at all, I, I was not aware that was even going to be a story. And then, what? Uh, like, the oh, cheating? Yeah. yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I wasn't a big fan of that, um, personally, either. So, yeah, then that's the end of that storyline. Then basically Terry Silver sets up John John Kreese to so Terry Silver beats the fuck out of um this guy called Stingray who's just like a bit of a nonce really I'm not gonna lie like <laughs> he just loves hanging out with like the kids because he's got no friends of his own so he like thinks he's part of Cobra Kai but obviously it's it's like a 
under 18 Dijon, this guy's like in his 30s. Um, so then he, in season four, he comes back and he's like, oh, let me be part of Cobra Kai again. John Creese says, fuck off, like, nobody wants you here. Then he comes back, Terry Creese, whilst he's drunk, um, beats him up and basically says, if you tell the police that um, John Creese did this to you, you can be back in Cobra Kai. So then he allows that to happen. So then John Creese gets picked up by the police and Terry Silver did that so that he could now be the head of Cobra Kai. Um, and I think that's where I think that's where we. Oh, Johnny and Robbie like reconcile as well. Um, and then the, the season ends basically. So at this point, because uh, Tori won, that meant that um, Cobra Kai won the overall dojo trophy or whatever. So basically, Eagle Fang and Miyagi don't have to have to cease have to cease to exist. Um, so the season ends with Daniel Russo in front of uh, Mr Miyagi's gravestone saying like a whole speech about like I can't honor this bet because these guys have no honor. And then he says a load of other stuff. And then he says, to, so I need you to help me um, take down Cobra Kai. And then the camera pans to the left. And it's um, this character called Chosen from Karate Kid 2. So they're like, cool, let's do this kind of thing. It, but that character should have been Hilary Swank. But that's just... Oh, OK. It should have been Hilary Swank. Because like, Hilary Swank actually learned under Mr. Miyagi in, in the next Karate Kid. So that would have been good for these two characters who are both Miyagi students trying to, you know, honour his legacy. But obviously, probably, probably can't afford it. And she probably doesn't want to be in it. Well, I don't think I don't think that that ending doesn't technically make sense to me because I'm like, right, in season three, uh, Daniel went to Chosen and spoke with him. Well, didn't spoke with him and learned there was a different way of the Miyagi Karate and it was Mm -hmm. the version. So he did learn some of it. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, why didn't he teach his students some of that? Like, I'm so baffled. Um, Yeah, good point. I've heard loads of people really love this season, and I'm I'm gonna guess by your enthusiasm of telling the story that you actually really really liked it. I I just love this show. Full stop. I love, <laughs> love this show, but I don't think this is one of the. Um, I don't know what it was, but maybe I'm just trying to nitpick at stuff. But I I still like it. I still mm. look forward to the next season. I think there needs to be more Miguel and more uh, Johnny. Essence of the show, and I feel like they've kind of detached away from that a little bit. I agree. Does does this show still feel fresh? Because I mean, I only saw the first season, and I was like, I can pretty much guarantee they'll do this rinse and repeat each season, where there's some conflict, the dojos then fight at the all tournament valley, and then someone will win. Some of them are now past the age of eighteen. I assume next season. Okay. Yeah. I think as well, like, they do well to, so there's been four seasons, but there's only been two tournaments. So they're not doing one, like, every season kind of thing. So next season, there probably won't be one. Um, but I will say, Glenn, what you said about kind of it being rinse and repeat. One thing I do think that about is the relationship between Johnny and Daniel. Like, every season, they've been, oh, we're enemies. Oh, actually, let's come together and um, work together for a little bit. Oh, no, we're enemies again. And they've done that every season. And that, for me, is getting a bit tired. And I would like for them to kind of just be pals now or be enemies. Just one or the other. Just done it. Like, because it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's the dynamic they have. But I feel like it's repetitive. How many times they'll come together, they'll agree to do things, and Daniel Russo will go, actually, do you know what? Your way's actually not right. My way's right. We shouldn't do it your way. Yeah. What happens? And it's yeah. kind of meh. Why is this? Yeah. It's a good season. Uh, I think Rotten Tomatoes giving it like 100%. Not that that goes, not that it says a lot, but um, 
subscribe to a Netflix series. They've done pretty. Um, I think the girl, or or they might a uh, subplot where they see his father and stuff. I don't know. Uh, and I reckon well, they'll be in the other geezer from um, Karate Kid, who was um, uh, what's his face? His best mate, um, the absolute nutcase who fought in the All Valley Tournament. Oh, Karate Kid Three. Yeah. Uh, Mike Barnes. Yeah, I reckon they'll bring in Mike Barnes. Yeah. The next one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Netflix are not shy to cancel a series if they're not, you know, feeling or audiences aren't. So the fact that this has got a season five in the pipeline is promising. I think they've already started filming season five, actually. Yeah. They've, they've been quite good, actually. Like, um, starting it and then going again, and then, like, finishing, going again, finishing, going again. Mm. Um, it, I, one thing I really like about the show as well, that it drops like New Year, like around New Year's, so like I'm never at work around that time, so it's like I can just watch the whole thing straight away. Which I think is great. Yeah, fair enough. You know, talking about programs that like, you know, like obviously this one once it's finished it starts production again. I heard the other day that the Invincibles hasn't even started production yet. Too. I heard that as well. What the animation? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, the guy. Said that he hasn't started. He he hasn't started production at least. Anyway. Well, I mean, I don't have Amazon Prime anymore. But even if I did, I, I don't think I would rush to watch season two of that. I'd watch it still. Although I might have I to get, right, I might have to get a couple of months of Amazon to watch The Boys. Oh yeah. Although that's uh, dropping its first three episodes on the day it's released. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> Why is that annoying? Because um, with like streaming, I'm just so used to have being able to watch it at my own leisure and having to. I, I like the week to week aspect in some circumstances, but not for a, not for a show like The Boys personally. Like a show like The Boys, just give it to me all, just give it all to me straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give it give it to me all and then watch it all in one day. That's what I'd say. Mm. Okay, but so Disney Plus does it week by week. Are you okay with that? Only for certain ones, to be honest. Like, the One Division, that worked week to week. Loki, I'd say, worked week to week. Everything else, yeah. uh, And Mandalorian, I'd say, worked week to week. Everything else. What about Boba Fett, then? Nah. Episode 2, you've both seen that now. Or some of it. Right. <laughs> I've seen some of it. Um, yeah, I've seen it now. Such okay. Such a drag. Did you not like Episode 2 a lot more? A lot more? I just didn't... Very entertaining, I don't think. So I didn't... Watch it. I really what, what? liked that um the that that Chewbacca character like type character. Oh yeah, the black cookie. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you know what my problem with the show is? So only two episodes in so far. Um I feel like we spend too much time in the flashbacks. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's my yeah. that's my thinking. Because after after that point with the hearts, I think I don't think we go back to the present. No, at we all. don't. Just he, goes to, he goes to the tank and then that's it. Yeah, um, which it's, it's interesting to like see him forge that staff and you know do some more with the um, oh god, what's the Tuscan Tuscan Raiders? That's it. Um, but I was sort of thinking like, you know, did they not have enough narrative for the, the present? Mm. You know, there was quite a long time, obviously, between Boba Fett coming out of the Sarlacc pit to then when we see him in the Mandalorian, but. 
you either do a whole series from that point up to the point we see him, or you just do a little bit like they did in episode one, and then focus on the present. So I don't I seem even, a bit confused. Yeah, sorry, I don't even mind them. Yeah, I don't mind the flashbacks, but like I think you need to interweave it with the current day story. I think doing a block of one and then the block of the other to me doesn't really it didn't really work um but the truth there are people who are but for me it's only because i'm more interested in the present day story and the whole um him trying to like figure out his place in like the crime underworld i'm more interested in that than than the tuscan raider stuff because i feel like that stuff is um kind of predictable not predictable but like it it, to, to me it makes sense that he would be captured by these people and then he proved their worth to them, and then they accept him as one of them. Like that's a really similar story that I feel like I've seen so many times before. I don't know if you guys agree, mm. but the present day stuff I think is much more interesting because you can tell he's not super comfortable in that dynamic, and I really want to see how that plays out. And we, as for yeah, we haven't got enough of it. And if if you are going to do the flashbacks, I think you need to do like two scenes here, two scenes there, two scenes here, two scenes there, not just yeah. 10 minutes at the beginning in present day and then 35 minutes in the past yeah I feel I like also... for a character I just I don't think it's a character that we like the character's arc finished in in the in Star Wars 5 or 6 whenever he died and honestly I don't think anyone really cared to see an arc with him continued so for him to appear in Mandalorian was a, was interesting but again no one really I think was that interested in him and to hear a story from when he got out of the pit to now, again, I don't really care about it. There's bits I'm interested to know, like i.e. how he got out of the belly and maybe little flashbacks here and there, but I don't think like it's entertaining enough. Like I feel like, okay, he's a bounty hunter but he's not really bounty hunting yet. Mm. So, so two things quickly Chris I agree with you about him about not giving really giving a shit about Boba Fett to be honest but I think we're probably in the minority in that I think in the wider Star Wars fandom I feel like people love Boba Fett um, and want to know loads about him but obviously me I'm with you I don't care yeah um, and it's like the Mandalorian though isn't it it's just that Mandalorian version 1 but we've got version 2 now don't we because Mandalorian came after but yeah yeah well even uh, actually, no, that's a different discussion for another day. Um, <laughs> um, leave me hanging. What? You said you're leaving me hanging. I don't know what's, uh, what what then, your discussion for the other day is. Oh, no. Um, okay. No, I'll just say I was going to say quickly because it, it's a discussion for the Mandalorian. So basically, obviously, Chris said about he's a Mandalorian, but he's not really a Mandalorian. Duh, 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 duh. And obviously, in Mandalorian season two, um, when he meets up Bo Katan and all them, like, they go into the fact they're like, yeah, Mandalorians don't do what you're doing, man, though. Like, all this crazy stuff about not taking a helmet like we don't do that so obviously there's clear factions of like Mandalore Mandalorian culture which obviously Boba Fett is part of he, like, he doesn't do the whole keep your, ha- keep your helmet on stuff thing and then the Bo-Katan and the Wormlock they don't even recognise um, Boba Fett as a Mandalorian because he's a clone so like I would love for them to get into into that like the different factions but that might be for like a Mandalorian season 3 type thing so that's what I was going to say I was going to yeah. say after you said that, I was going to say, do well. The question I had at the end of season two, and I think we probably all do: Will Mandalorian be as good without uh, Grogu? If Grogu's not in it, it's a good question. Yeah, good question. But quickly, sorry, before we get before before I answer that question, I just wanted to say this is the second thing I was going to say, Chris, about um, him not bounty hunting yet. So I think 
uh, what's his face? Boba Fett makes the point in the second episode to say, I think to the Hutt, to say, oh, sorry if that's a spoiler, by the way, Chris, apologies, um, to say, um, I'm not a bounty hunter. Same. So, like, he's making the point now that he is, like, shifting from this character that he's been seen as in episode one to six to something else, like, a different mentality entirely, which I'm not sure how how much I like that because it just seems like a completely different character to be honest to the one we saw in the films but um yeah I think they're making a point now to kind of shift that narrative of him just being about him being someone who's a bit who's not like cold-blooded killer actually he's you know he's really loyal and and shit like that like he likes justice and he likes talking and da 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 yeah I I, I thought this episode was had a bit more promise and I think I said on the last pod, that like if they combine the first two episodes, um, or maybe even them out a bit more in length, then it probably would have been a lot more enjoyable. Because mm. um, the first one really did not give me much hope. And I mean, Chris, your point about you know why are we seeing more of Boba Fett? I feel the same way on paper about the Cassian Andor series. Because oh, like, you're bluffing me. I'm, I can't wait for that series. Really? I was like, yeah, I can't well, wait. he was in he was in Rogue One, and then. He died, so... I, lo- I, lo- uh, I love that character. I don't know what he is about him. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But, um... Yeah, I just... I agree with you. They, they obviously have to try and diversify the the content away from just the Skywalker core series, so I get that. But, um... Yeah, they do need to spend less time in the past. I also keep expecting, like, every time a character um, who wears, like, a helmet or a mask or something in the past, takes it off. I expect it to be um, Ming-Na Wen's character. Um, is it Fennec Shand? Oh, yeah. uh, because at some point he meets her, right? So, or well, does he meet if, her in The Mandalorian? Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, at the end of the... So, obviously, we first see her in, I think, Mandalorian, maybe see episode five. And um, I think he meets her at that point, but I don't know if that's the first time they're meeting. Oh. Yeah. Does okay, maybe. In The, in the Mandalorian? So they uh, have a, their interaction. Doesn't Boba save her? Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's the first time they met or if they knew each other beforehand. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll keep watching because it's seven episodes, I think. Yeah, seven, seven or eight. So, um, you know, not too much longer to go. Um, yeah. And then after that, I mean, I don't know when the next Disney Plus series is. There's um, reports about Miss Marvel having reshoots, which always sounds bad, mm. um, which we don't, you know, no details about why. But apparently, so, Chris, you might be more a favour of this, but I think Miss Marvel's powers include, like, being able to stretch and stuff. Yeah, um, they're ch- and they're changing it for the series. Yeah, which, yeah. what do you guys think as, as kind of, I don't know, kind of comic purists in, in, in some sense? Like, are you sort of thinking, well, if those are her comic powers, they should remain? Or do you think they're too close to Mr. Fantastic? That's, yeah. I think that's what they're thinking, that it's close, too close to Mr. Fantastic. Um, obviously, I don't really know the character, but if I was a fan of the character from that comic, then I'd probably be like a bit, a bit pissed off question. about it. Yeah, go on. Sorry, I just care. No, that's it. I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the question I have is, I don't mind if she didn't have the powers now, but I'd like for her to have the powers later. I don't really know much about her, mm. but I already know the character... It's not necessarily so bad that they don't have the powers straight away. Like like Spider-Man, I'm almost sure Tom Holland didn't have like his Spidey sense almost immediately. Um, I could be wrong. So I uh, think... Um, actually, sorry. Sorry. Um, 
Still? Yeah, yeah, we're still here. Wait, I think yeah, you're fin- we're waiting for you. So. <laughs> you finished. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So I don't mind that she's got different powers, and obviously, if they're gonna, they if they're worried that it's gonna conflict with Fantastic Four, then maybe they can introduce her stretch powers after they've introduced the Fantastic Four. Mm. But yeah, that's what I was gonna say, really. Yeah, that's fair. I think what they're doing is um, with her powers is instead of her being able to stretch into into stuff. It's gonna be like a um like a more like a Green Lantern type of thing. Like where she can like astral project things, I think. Like shapes and objects and shit. Okay. Which to us might look better, like I'm thinking about just visually, than because I'm trying to think of a time where because even like the Mr. Fantastic stuff I thought in both Fantastic Four films look kinda of shit. Yeah, they were the mid noughties though, so uh True. effects have come come on leaps and bounds since then. Um True. just on the whole film news superhero speculation type thing um i've been seeing on twitter things about the flash film and how it what it means for the future of the dceu have you guys read any of this stuff yeah i've read, I've read a little bit yeah yeah no 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 henry carville apparently yeah so it kind of i mean i think we've all kind of pondered this before that it's kind of going to be a soft reboot or like a reset but from what these reports on all these various Twitter, you know, sources and, you know, how accurate they are, only time will tell. But um, from what I gather, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I've been reading that Supergirl will be the focus of a kind of Man of Steel 2 type thing. And, and mm. um, yeah, no Batfleck. And even the, the Shazam director, David F. Sandberg, was like, oh, I mean, I don't know any of this, so it's yeah. all news to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, would you guys be content with that, or are you kind of like, we want Cable as Superman? Um, I do think um, Henry Cable's been done a bit dirty, to be honest. Um, but generally, I don't know about you guys, but I just want to see good films. <laughs> like, mm. I just like if the films are, if you reboot it and the films are good, I will have zero complaints, absolutely zero. Like. Just make good films and have some sort of vision. That's all I ask for. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think they definitely muddied it, didn't they? And like essentially trying to play catch up with Marvel, yeah. and then then they sort of pivoted and were like, Do you know what? We're just going to make films about the characters we have rights to, and if they don't connect, then they don't connect. Mm-hmm. You know, deal with it. And fair play because you know not everything has to have a shared universe now. No, um, no, it doesn't. Not everything has to have a post credits. Although, have you seen the have you seen the cast for the Flash film? Apparently, um, um, General Zod's going to be in it. Well, apparently, right. apparently Grant, Gust, uh, Grant Gustin's going to be in it. Oh right. That's yeah, the, um, didn't Ezra Miller appear in Flash Paradox? Yeah. Something. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's is that coming out this year? Yeah, I think November. I think finally in it. Well, I still, I still think every th- film has an asterisk because, you know, Morbius is being shafted left, right, and centre, and True. there's all sorts of production issues. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of waiting for the first good film of 2022 to come out. <laughs> um, I know we're only what eight or nine days in, but um, yeah, there. If you follow us on Instagram, uh, your average critics, um, I tend to do uh, some reviews of the films and obviously you two uh, 
I'm more than welcome to, <laughs> but it seems to be me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think I've given anything more than a six out of ten so far this year, mm. and I think I've seen five films. I mean, you are you seen five films this year already? I mean, two on Netflix. Oh, okay. But they are like recent releases. Yeah. To be fair, um, are pretty views anyway. True, hard to please, but um, well, one new release. Um, I guess it came out in 2021 technically, but uh, still in cinemas, is The Matrix Resurrections, which I was quite coy about going into too much detail last week because I didn't want to spoil too much. Um, and I hope that I didn't. Um, so I hope you went in and didn't think, oh, yeah, this is what Glenn was on about. Or, um, you know, so you've both now seen it. Um, the fourth installment. Um I spoke about it last time, so Obi, why don't you give us your thoughts? Because you've probably seen uh, Matrix Two and Three more recently than Chris and I as well, I imagine. Uh, so I don't think that's true at all. I saw Matrix Two and Three two uh, two weeks ago. Oh, I okay. Saw Matrix, I saw Matrix Three like two days ago. Yeah, oh, <laughs> uh, one upmanship. Well, I saw it just now, so I'm watching it, magic. Um, all right. Well, yeah. I mean, Chris, you you also really like the second and third one, so. Obi, give us your thoughts on four. Chris, you can then tell us, and then we can maybe discuss the Matrix more widely. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. The the more I think about this film, the less I like it, to be honest. Mm. Um, like I think I texted you kind of yesterday, just after I've seen it. I said it's. I said it's all right. Like it's fine. Like I didn't have any major. Well, actually, I did have a couple of major issues with it, to be honest. But like the more I think about it, the more the issues that we spoke about annoy me and the less I like the stuff that was maybe even good about it. Um, and like the film itself, like it's, I felt like it was trying to be, you know how like Rise of Skywalker was like super like fan service Yeah. Like I felt like it tried to kind of be like that, but it just didn't do any of it well. Um, and like, it's sort of like a rehash of the first one, but they're not really but then they've kind of like rewritten certain aspects of the story in terms of like who like having the one and stuff like that. Like they they give you us this like B Tech Agent Smith. They get rid of the Oracle. Like and there's just certain choices that I think were made in the film that I just didn't really appreciate. And even from like a narrative sense, I think you could have told a better story by by, and a more entertaining story than it just being we have to save Trinity um, who I thought who I would have been happy with like you keeping her dead to be honest with you not that she's a bad, she's a bad character or a bad actress I actually really like her character and I like the chemistry between her and Keanu Reeves it's probably the the best thing about this film um, but the fact that like you bring both of them back actually to go Neo is different because he's the one well technically well, no, technically now he's the two but whatever um <laughs> Uh, but like just the whole thing about them like bringing like reconstructing him and blah 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 and I was like this is rubbish then you've got Morpheus who but it's not Morpheus it's a mixture of Morpheus and Agent Smith and he's wearing like these like bare like flashy suits like pink and yellow suits I'm like what's going (laughs) on Um, and then you've got the fight choreography which is not very good um, in my opinion and I don't know if Keanu Reeves didn't want to do fights anymore or didn't want to do or maybe he was busy but they just reduced him pretty much to just doing like the force pushes oh like that really annoyed me 
like they do it about 75 times <laughs> in the film and like he doesn't really do much hand hand combat like he did in the first three or at least attempted in the first three um and then the way the films end the end as well i think is very very limp as well um i didn't love that either i get the moment with um trinity like being able to fly i like that moment but also i think it dampens um the whole thing about the prophecy and neo being the one and there being a one i think it dampens that but at the same time also i like the fact that um i can't i think the analysts neil patrick harris's character said that like neo and trinity need each other like together they're stronger than apart i like that about it but also the fact that they're both the one i think is 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 weird i don't really didn't really didn't really like that very much to be honest maybe it's like the harry potter prophecy where it actually could have also applied to Neville Longbottom. Yeah. You know. What? Yeah. So that in Harry Potter, what? the prophecy that, that Voldemort uh, reads and presumes relates to Harry could actually also have applied to Neville because of, you know, born on the same day or whatever it was. Like, you know. Both their parents um, got killed by, uh, by Voldemort. Yeah. So. Love of football. Could have been um, Neville. But I, look at but that guy. <laughs> what but, the well, fuck? Yeah. I've never heard that in my life. What the fuck? I've heard that too. I'm, I'm bamboozled by that. I love <laughs> it. Love it. But um, just like yeah, generally there are some good things about it. I think uh, is it Jessica Henwick or Fenwick? Is that name? Henwick. Yeah. Henwick. I think her, I like her character. Um, I think you probably could have done a bit more with her character. I think. Um, I like Neil Patrick Harris. Not sure if I entirely like him in this role particularly. Um, I just like him in general, so it's good seeing him on screen, <laughs> I guess. Um, and that's about it, really. Like, I, I, like, I think you asked the question again, like, did this film, did this film justify its existence? And I don't think it does. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I Matrix 4, was it needed? No. No. Was not needed. I think uh, they could, they could, you know, they, they, like with advances in technology and stuff, I absolutely understand why you'd want to revisit such a seminal, um, film as, or a franchise as The Matrix. But I just feel like the, the whole story was just kind of non-existent, really. They were just kind of, what I spent, I think they spent far too much time doing was reminiscing and, mm. um, being, uh, you used the word on, on our chat, I mean, derivative. It was like, it was just, yeah, a rehash of many of the first plot points. So, you know, uh, them contacting Neo and going, Hey, we need you. This mm. is the Matrix. Um, and, uh, you know, then they have that fight where, you know, he fights Morpheus or a version of Morpheus. And all of that was like, mm, okay, well, much the same. Um, and, and what really I think is kind of a bit of a piss take is, not only do they rehash it, but they also show you what it was like in the first film. So when they, um, when Morpheus is telling him about the red pill and the blue pill, they have the projection of the scene from the first film. And mm. then they're like, hey, look at that um, decor, but you know, this is different. Um, and the whole thing with Morpheus, it's like they acknowledge that Lawrence Fishburne was Morpheus, but they're like, oh yeah, we didn't, you know, they didn't get that guy. Um, for whatever reason, it just you're, you're you're pointing back to the past, but in a way that makes you think, well, that was a lot better. Yeah, what you're showing us is lamer than what than, than, what you're showing us today is lamer than what we saw twenty. Yeah, years they ago. should have just done a HBO reunion, you know, and just <laughs> left it at that. Not sure they should have done that, but 
I just I just don't think this film is necessary, and mm. I don't think they hit the nail on the head. I don't I don't dislike this film, but in the roster of the, how the films go, it, it might be the worst one in my opinion. Um, That's interesting. I that think a massive claim. <laughs> well, I just I I just think that there was a, a lot of confusing points. Mm. I think obviously like I don't care that they like the Morpheus, the new Morpheus, because they explain that he's not really Morpheus. He's a bit of two characters mixed together. But again, if you killed off, if you killed off characters, kill off character. Agreed. Then, yeah. Uh, and then I didn't mind that the fact that well, they made it sound like Neo was the one only when he's with Trinity, which I was like, okay, that's cool. And then they and then they flipped it and were like, actually, no, you're both the one. And I was mm. like, mm, okay. Then Neil Patrick Harris's character really liked, thought it was really interesting. But and then he 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 did the thing where he went up to Neo and was like, oh well, I've got your power and I can stop time. Blah 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 blah. Cool, wicked. And then he never uses that again. Yeah. Or to any degree where it's relevant. Mm. Um, also, it doesn't really make sense how he stayed alive at the end. Um, and I don't actually think they explain how he is still alive at the end, but whatever. Um, and then the f- they can just click their fingers and rewind everything. I was just like, okay, this is cool, but how and why? What? Like, when did you have what? this power um, Are you talking about um, Neo and Trinity doing this? Yeah. Or? I think it's because they then realise that they are now in control of the Matrix, so they can bend it to their will. So this is so quickly. Sorry, before you yeah. before you go on, this is just a question about like the wider Matrix universe. Neo discovers that he can do that in the first Matrix. Yes, doesn't he? Yeah. So then what the fuck yeah. happens in two and three where he can't do that anymore? <laughs> so he doesn't he? In, is it number one where he dies but comes back to life and he's got like all the power of the Matrix? Yeah. And then he hits. Smith, and then Smith somehow gets the power of the Matrix yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And Smith isn't even dead. Like, yeah. he's just, I swear he's just roaming about doing whatever the fuck he wants. Well, Smith in this one, played by Jonathan Groff, which, again, they don't really explain why he looks different, but, or maybe I just missed it, but um, his motivations in this were all over the place. So, yeah, At the yeah. beginning, he's his, like, boss, uh, and I presume he's, like, trying to maintain the illusion of the Matrix, which I get. No, but then no, when... Dormant. He was dormant. Oh, was he? Yeah, no, so he was... I, I got the opinion that the uh, architect had made him, like, dormant, and then and then whatever Neo did triggered it. So when he saw the gun, he was, like, triggered. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and that's why his first motivation to kill Neo kind of makes sense, because obviously he's like, oh, fuck Neo. And yeah. then later on he's like, oh, actually, I just want the architect, because... He did this to me, and, I, and no one does that to me. Kind of vibe. That's what I got from it. Okay, that does make sense. Yeah, but then right. why they kept them together? Yeah. I don't know. Like the the logic of the architect didn't make a hundred. Like didn't really make sense to me. Like why he did. Like okay, he kept Trinity and Neo close enough together to get the power, but far enough away where they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. But would you just not do it so that he had like like. I don't know if this would be the... Like, he had glasses on to, like, not see her or made sure that she couldn't go to this cafe or something. Not let them... It, like, just, it's just... Well, that's, that's yeah. the thing, right? So there's one of the plot devices which is not really used is that to other people, they look different. So when he looks in the mirror and he sees that different man because yeah. of their... Whatever, their kind of coding for their face. But, yeah, it would have been interesting if he'd met someone that was Trinity, but she doesn't look like Trinity until he enters, you know, comes out of the Matrix. But no, she 
she looks like Trinity, but she's just called Tiffany or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just class question. Um, yeah. Why did they just let, let Neo die? <laughs> what in in the after the third one? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if you've heard of this concept, Obi, called um, money, <laughs> but. Um, they basically say that, don't they? When they're like, hey, what, our parent company, Warner mm. Brothers, uh, want to make a bit more money. Um, and they're going to do it with or without us, mm. <laughs> which is true, apparently. They were going to do a fourth one without the Wachowskis, but then Lana was like, hey, I've got an idea. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, god damn it, I'm in. I get, obviously, yeah, I completely understand that, but I'm just thinking, like, like, I might have missed it, to be fair, but like, narratively speaking, why did they just let Neo die? Um... Um, oh, I can't remember. They did. They did explain that part. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, I can't remember why, but like, I assume it's something to do with the architect knowing about the power. Okay. And then therefore keeping them both alive. Um, didn't really explain much about the robots taking their side. That kind of was a bit ambiguous. I don't mind that, but also I feel like expand on that more. Yeah, and then just a couple sentences that we got. Oh, also, I didn't. I quite liked um, Jada Pinkett Smith coming back as well for her role, even though I thought the makeup wasn't very good. But I liked the uh, the character. I mm. liked. I liked that the train girl came back. I yeah, that, me too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was a good twist. Mm. Uh, not really sure what she did. I think a lot of it was a bit like, and, and I'm pretty sure the the sisters have said they're not going to do another film. There's a lot of things like, uh, it's like The Witcher. There's a lot of things that they don't explain. Mm. And you're like, you need to like figure it out yourself almost. Um, mm. I, like, I know I just, I just said a lot of bad things, but I, I, I didn't not enjoy this film. I just think there was a lot of things that I question marked a lot, lot like a lot of the time. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me is the, the Merovingian, whatever he is. That French guy. Oh yeah, he's going like, batshit, just yeah. raving. Like, yeah. and I, I couldn't even comprehend half the stuff he was saying. And I was like, that's just one of those things. that's like, hey, I remember this character. Um, it took me like, ages to figure out who that was. I was like, what the fuck? Stupid. Like, yeah. it's, it's like uh, similar to you, Chris. I don't, I don't hate this film, but also like, I, I can't say I enjoyed it because I didn't. I definitely mm. didn't. <laughs> well, I'm. I don't know about you, Obi, but I'm quite interested to hear Chris's defence of uh, Matrix Reloaded and whatever the other one. Oh yeah, God, that the third one's booty. God, God, <laughs> God, Chris, you see, you you seem to be a lot more positive on Reloaded and Re-Reloaded. I, I, I just don't think I hate them. I think I think. Um, do you think they're good films? I think I thought number two was. I think number three is obviously number three that was a bit. One of them was a lot better than the other. Mm. Um, I've watched so much since then. Um, I just didn't... I, I quite enjoyed one of them. I'm pretty sure it was number two. Mm. I thought the action and stuff... The only thing that pissed me off about number two, which was a real big irk of mine, was the fact there was such a civilization, mm. And I was like, it doesn't make sense from your first film to your second film why there is now a civilization, And there wasn't before. There was like five of you before. And you made it sound like there was barely any of you alive. And then the next one, there's like yeah. civilization of you lot. Um, number two as well, I thought... God, do you know what? Maybe it wasn't that good because I can't fucking remember it. The I, second one's the one with the the I'm, motor the motorway I, or the highway chase. Oh yeah. Yeah, the key map, the key, the key, the yeah, yeah, key, yeah. Key yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I like this. I like number two. Yeah, I like number two. I thought the thing is, I come out of it thinking, all right, this is a decent trilogy. 
And I think that speaks volumes to me. If I if I fit, watch a film and I'm like, well, this didn't need a sequel, then I'm like, well, then what was the point of it? I think um, if not. Sorry, go on. Yeah. sorry, 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 Chris. No, no, no. no. I was gonna say the thing you said about decent trilogy. I think if the two sequels are progressive, progressively get worse than the first one, I don't think that's a good trilogy. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but then flip flip of that, if you have a really really good first film mm. and a bit hard to like be better than anyway, then are you saying that every trilogy is bad? That you, like John, you can't you telling me John Wick two and three worlds better than John Wick one? Yeah, I'd say they're all they're all f- of fairly similar quality. I'm sorry, nothing will top when Common and John Wick <laughs> are just <laughs> silently pew pewing each other through the fucking mall. That was so funny. Is that two or three? I think that's two. That's two. Like... <laughs> that's <awesome. laughs> so funny. But um, no, I think those films are similar quality. So, like, just quickly, I just want to talk about my issues with the second and third one. I think the first one's really good. The second one, I think, is passable. But like Chris said, I think I don't like that thing you said as well, Chris, about Zion ha- actually having, like, probably tens of thousands of people. Um, yeah. And I also feel like both, in both films, um, everything that happens in Zion feels like it's happening in a different film. Um, and that's a film that I don't mind and a film that I would watch like the guy like the general guy who's General Solnick from uh, Batman v Superman or Man of Steel his character I think his name's Locke I like him and I like his like defence of saying like fuck all this prophecy bullshit we need to focus on defences on like defending here blah 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 I think that's all really good but I just don't think it really meshes well with all the stuff with Neo and and uh, everybody else um, and I, the second one there's some horrible CGI in that film um, mm. I think that the um, the way it ends as well with um, it basically ends on a cliffhanger. I thought was stupid. <laughs> um, I didn't really like that either. Um, I think if you um, so the film was only released six months before the third one, I think, or oh, yeah. something like that. It, it was quite quick. Yeah, it, that 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 even in and of itself is really strange. But um, uh, and yeah, and I think my problem with the third one is that it just feels... Everything just feels really... really just chopped together really awkwardly. Like, I think I said, I said in the group chat, like, we go half an hour about seeing Neo. Like, from when he... I think it's maybe 55 minutes in. I, I literally checked to see how long it was, because I was thinking, like, well, I haven't seen Neo in time. He gets blinded by what's by Bane, and uh, eventually he beats him. Then it's just a half-hour-long fight sequence for um, Zion versus the androids or whatever, the Sentinels or whatever they're called. And, like, while that scene was fine, I guess, I was like, where, where's my main character? Where are my two main characters here? Like, this is, this is ridiculous. Also, that film, Neo, I mean, not Neo, Morpheus does fuck all in that film. Like, they completely nerf Morpheus. He doesn't do anything. Um, the fight sequences are boring because, like, they just go on and on and on. They showed that character, uh, I can't say Mifuni or Mifune, the captain guy who says knuckle up. Interesting character, don't know anything about him, didn't care about him when he died, he spent way too much time with him. Also the same with that, that kid who was in the second one, um, who apparently was in the Animatrix series and is actually a character in that. So I understand why he did it, but also didn't care about him at all. And then the Agent Smith, they just turned him into a complete and utter like cartoon compared to how he was in the first one like there's a conversation he has with the oracle and he's like saying did you put the cookies there because i knew i was coming and then he just throws the cookies away i'm like what the fuck is going on here like just <laughs> I, I think that third film is is not good i just think it's not good um the last fight between agent smith and uh neo is 
fun. And I think, I feel like maybe Zack Snyder might have drawn a bit from that, from his uh, Superman versus Zod fighting Man of Steel, because I feel like I see some similarities there. But also, when um, Neo lets himself get um, taken over by Agent Smith and then everything explodes, I was kind of like, what the fuck? Did we know that was going to happen? Did he know it was going to happen? Was there any inkling or any kind of thing that that was what he needed to do for him to save the world? Um, so that whole thing, that bit confused me, to, to be completely honest. And yeah, I just thought it was a bit me. Mm. Yeah, can't disagree with you there. Um, on oh, the subject... Sorry. Oh, sorry, my clicking was probably on in the background there. I thought it was on mute, sorry. Um, on the subject of Films. Oh mate, do you not know? No, sorry, wait. The complaints about fight scenes. I reckon there'd be plenty of films where we wish the fight scenes were longer, and now they're. Well, it's half an hour. Uh, like no, like no cuts in between of anything else. Just half an hour of oh, blasting okay. the blasting the sentinels. I was like, right, this is long. I got bored. I got bored. Mm. Well, interesting. I'm, I'm going to try and segue. Um, sorry. <laughs> talking of uh, trilogies, which get progressively worse. Um, Kingsman. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen The King's Man. Not yet. Not bad. Um, okay. Well, this is a prequel, um, kind of setting up how the Kingsman uh, agency was was kind of founded. Um, so obviously, the Kingsman Secret Service and then the Golden Circle um, are kind of set in present day. Um, so, you know, mid to late 2010s. This is set, well, the first scene is set in 1902, um, in South Africa. Um, and there's some fridging that goes on, um, classic. And then, um, 12 years later, uh, the, the Duke Oxford, who's Ralph Fine's character, um, he's brought up his son alone. Um, and the son is now kind of, you know, in his mid to late teens, although he looks a hell of a lot older, um, Conrad. And he's become a pacifist, um, because he's, he saw his wife die. Um, obviously 1914 is when, uh, World War One begins. So there's a bit of, um, kind of history revisionism in a sense where like Matthew Vaughan has used several plot devices within what happened in World War Two and, and kind of framed them within, you know, the characters. So uh for example, Duke Oxford is a friend of uh Franz Ferdinand and is there when he dies and the death of Franz Ferdinand is orchestrated by this mysterious kind of uh, they call him the Shepherd, um, in order to start a war to defeat England because the shepherd is Scottish and hates that England has ruled Scotland for 700 years or so. Um, it's all quite convoluted and quite contrived. Um, this film feels like quite a few different films put together. Um, so on the one hand, there's the kind of spy agency side of it. You know, you've got, you've got the, the shepherd and, and his flock who, you know, they, they sit around a table and, he gives them each a ring with a different animal on, and that's not really explained. Um, and you only see a couple of those people. Um, and then obviously there's like hints at like the burgeoning Kingsman agency. Um, but then there's a very tonally different film in this, which very much feels like 
1917, that film from Sam Mendes. Mm. Um, and there's quite a lot of similar like visuals of, of people in the trenches and, and, you know, the horrors of war. Um, and one of the key points in this film is that Conrad, um, Ralph Fiennes' son, uh, wants to do his bit for king and country. Um, and his father is trying to protect him and, and his friends with King George and all these, all these high ranking people and basically like tries to get him to, to not see much combat, but, uh, he kind of gets around this and gets conscripted and, and goes to war. So, and I'm not going to go too much into details because if you're going to watch it, um, Obi and maybe Chris, then I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, mm. But they, they feel, feel like two very different films and they're not woven together very well, um, in my opinion. And I liked the first Kingsman film. The second one, less so, but I liked that they introduced the Statesman. Um, this film maybe sows the odd seed of, of the Statesman because there's a bit in America and president orders a statesman drink and you think oh maybe they're going to sow the seeds for that but doesn't really go anywhere Mm -hmm. um and you don't really see the formation of the king's man until the end of this like right at the end and it kind of feels quite bolt on um and none of the characters we see around that initial table as far as i am aware we see in either of the two films that we've had previously and that makes sense because this is set a hundred years before those so it feels like there's a lot of time in between that is not, um, you know, that needs to be filled. Um, and this obviously sets itself up for a sequel um, set during World War Two. But even if there is one of those, and I don't know, I don't think it's almost done that well. So I don't know if they will get another one. But even if they do one during World War Two, you've still got 50, 60 years to fill. So Colin Firth's character, even Michael Caine's character... <laughs> I'm not going to be alive, you know, mm. at this point. So to me, it it didn't feel like the prequel or a, a film establishing the King's Man. It kind of felt like they'd done a film about some uh, espionage and well during World War One and stuff, uh, and then kind of retrofitted it to be the King's Man. That's how it felt to me. Um, Funnily enough, I was listening to someone review it and they said that exact same thing that you said. They said it felt like Matthew Vaughn really wanted to make a war film and the only way he could justify it was by putting Kingsman on the Kingsman name on it. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, at least, you know, I, I promise I didn't listen to that podcast, whoever they are. Um, but yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Plagiarism FC. But um, yeah, so it was very disappointing, really. I feel um, like it's one of those films where I just don't, I didn't care for a prequel. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the essence of the Kingsman is Eggsy. Like, mm. that's the Kingsman we've come to know and like. Uh, the other geezer who, uh, the bald guy, I can't remember his name, and. Merlin. Oh, yeah, and Colin. No, Harry. Yeah. No, yeah, Harry. Yeah, Colin Firth. Yeah, Colin Firth. Like, I feel like them three, that's why we, we really liked. Kingsman 1 and Kingsman 1 and Kingsman 2 kind of but it was more like Eggsy again so I feel like if you're going to develop it it's got to be like with him at the helm but maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being pessimistic about films years ago I kind of thought like if they were going to do a prequel it would maybe focus on Harry 
like the yeah. young version of, and I expected him to appear at the end of this at some in some form. But when I saw the time setting, I was like, well, I was kind of doing it in my head. I was like, how old's Colin Firth in that film? And I was like, no, there's no way, there's no mm. way he's going to appear in this. Even Michael Caine, who's like 105, is you know not going to appear in this. So um, yeah, it was disappointing. And also there was a distinct lack of humour and action, which kind of characterised the first two films. So it really didn't feel like a Kingsman film. Um, so. I feel like that's not much shame of it. Like, I feel like the fun, lightheartedness of it and then, like, the seriousness of it as well is, like, a good mixture in the other films. Or, well, probably the first film. Mm. I feel like, like the second film as much, but it was an okay, it was a decent film. Uh, but, yeah, you, you haven't really told it to me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I didn't want to watch it before and I definitely don't really want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if it comes, it, I'm sure it will come out on some streaming platform so maybe watch it on there but yeah i mean it i don't think it serves you well to be like oh i need to know how this formed and therefore i need to watch the king's man it doesn't fulfill that need for me um and what's strange is the inconsistency in this trilogy so far because matthew vaughan has been writer director and producer on all three so you'd think that at least it would have that kind of you know, consistency um, of tone, of story, but it doesn't. Um, so, yeah, disappointed in that. And to be honest, when the 355 was the film I enjoyed most but between that and <laughs> this, was, <laughs> uh, yes, it's telling, I think. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've seen the 355, Obi, so why don't you give us a quick rundown of that? Um cool the 355 is a spy action type film basically about um four women four women from four different countries and four different agencies who basically come together to try and stop oh, technically five women in the end um who come together to try and stop um a deadly device from getting released uh to the world um so the plot is fairly generic i would say um, but the film, uh, it's got who's in it? Jessica Chastain, um, Lupita Nyong'o, um, a German lady. I don't know her name. Diane Kruger. <laughs> Diane Kruger. Is she actually German? Mm-hmm. Okay. Diane Kruger, uh, Penelope Cruz, and also an Asian woman. I apologise. I do not know your name. Fat Bing Bing. Is it Bing Fan Bing? Fan Bing Bing. Yeah. Fan Bing Bing. Um. Uh, and Sebastian Stan did it. I spent I spent the whole thing whole film thinking Sebastian Stan was Richard Madden. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, his accent's really good. <laughs> what? I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I just literally like to me they look they look quite similar. But I, I just thought it was him. It was really stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, so uh, Jessica Chastain's character Mace. Um, is works for the CIA along with Sebastian Stan's character Nick. Um, sorry, the film starts basically in Colombia. Um, there's a shootout in a Colombian household with this terrorist device, and one guy from the Colombian army gets a hold of it. And then he goes to the CIA and says, I've got this device, uh, I took it from my country, um, give me three million because it's like super, like, de- super deadly, give me three million for it and you can have it, whatever, whatever. So the CIA, they go to Paris to try and get this device. They are intercepted, um, by uh, what's her name in the film? The, the German woman. Um, Marie. 
yes. Marie? Um, Marie, so she's undercover as well. Obviously, the CIA, they're undercover too. She intercepts them and, like, fucks up the operation. Um, so, uh, Jessica Chastain's character, Mace, she runs after Marie. And, uh, Sebastian Stan's character, Nick, runs after, I think his name is Luis, is the, is the Colombian character. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go on their individual fights. Um, uh, Nick dies, um, supposedly. Um, and then Marie gets away with um, the bag that they wanted to swap. They wanted to exchange the device for money. Um, she thought she was getting the device, but she ended up having the bag of money, which she didn't want, because obviously she works for the German government, and they were trying to get the device as well. Um, yeah, Nick dies. Um, so then uh, the head of CIA or whoever, head of the mission, basically says... Um, to Mace, um, basically, I'm, I'm allowing you to go on like a revenge mission to, to avenge Nick's death and also get the device back, but I can't sanction it, so you have to go and do it by yourself. She's like, oh, I need help. She go meets her her uh, friend, I don't know if they're actually friends, but this is Lupita Nyong'o's character, who she's like a um, technology expert or surveillance expert, um, and she basically recruits her to help her find this device. They go back to France, I believe. They go back to France, um, where this character, Luis, is basically trying to um, give this device away. Um, and he is joined by a therapist from Colombia, Penelope Cruz's character, Gabby? Graciela. Graciela, sorry. Um, Graciela. Um, and basically, she's escorting him to um, basically get the, give the device away. At which point, some people who are the people who are escorting him turn on him and kill him, um, and then he like gives her like a little. He makes it so that um, she can be one of the only people who's able to track the device by putting her fingerprint on the phone or something like that. Um, so he's dead. Um, at which point, uh, the CIA and uh, Lupita and whoever they she they clash with the German woman again. They're fighting, fighting, fighting. The people get away with the device. And these three women are kind, or these four women are kind of left like by themselves, and like, oh, we should work together because we just want to get the device. We just want to stop the device. Blah blah blah. blah. They work together. They go to Algeria, I think, no, Morocco. Sorry, um, get the device back. Um, give it to the guy in the CIA. Then and the Bing Bing, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Fan Bing Bing, Fan yeah. Bing Bing, um, comes through to the CIA place, kills the head of the CIA, um, takes the device. Um, so then they come back to the, they see, they got they on the news, the women are celebrating the victory, but then they see on the news that a plane is just like falling down from the sky. Um, and I think a couple planes fell down from the sky and that was like the work of terrorist acts. So then they're like, oh no, we have to go back to the CIA headquarters. They go back there, see head of the, head of the thing's dead. Then they go, they have to go to China to try and find, find the device. Um, they find They go to that. the auction house, don't they? Yes. That's in China, right? Or not? Yeah, Shanghai, yeah. Shanghai. Um, yeah, they go there, uh, the auction house. Um, Mace finds out that Nick is still alive and he's actually working for some random bad guy um, to get this device. Um, he, asks, he asks her to join him. She says no. Um, he buys the device for like 100 million or something. I don't know how much it was. 500 million. 500 million, thank you. And then he gives it to his employer. Turns out it was... Um, so the, this Asian woman was the, was the one running the auction. She was undercover as well. Um, she takes all these women back to her flat and basically says, we gave Nick a decoy. We've got the real thing. Um, 
the CIA guy that we killed, he was in on it as well. He's 32, so we killed him. Um, and basically all the women, they're all the good guys. Um, oh, good girls. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're the good ladies. <laughs> um, then, obviously, Nick realizes a fake, comes to the apartment, like, murks a couple of their loved ones, which was, I thought, so raw. Uh, <laughs> that was that was actually quite shocking. Yeah, that was brutal, man. <laughs> I, I thought, thought they were going to kill the. I thought they were going to kill Graciela's family. As same. Well. I, I thought they were as well. I thought they were too. But yeah, Gladys didn't do that. Um, and then yeah, kills them. Kills the kills the Asian woman's dad. And then she's like, oh. But she does not react to it at all. No, not at all. She doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. Keep it. Keep it G. Um, then cry cry later. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> then he says he captures her because she's the one who knows how to unlock the device. Goes back to the the whatever it's called the. Uh, I don't know where the fuck they were staying. And then all the women work together basically to get the device back. Um, they end up getting it back. They end up saving the world. Um, but they're all exiled. So uh, Lupita Nyong'o has to wipe all their character, all their ID and stuff from all databases and stuff like that. They eventually get um, Nick's character somehow ends it with um, getting a promotion, even though he betrayed the whole country. But I think he got promotion because there's bare people in the CIA who are like dirty. And mm-hmm. then they visit him at the end of the film and they poison him. And they send him to some sort of Siberian prison or something, I don't know. And then the film ends. Yeah. But then they say that the reason they're called the 355 is after um, some sort of uh, code name for, for women who yes, yeah. were not kind of recognised. Um, yeah. They say it right at the end of the film. Like it's pretty much like the last line of the film. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did I did presume it was going to be something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this film is... I mean, essentially, even if you've not seen it from your description, you know, you've seen this film. Yeah. Like, a hundred times. They didn't do anything new. It's very generic. The plots, the the twists, I guess, are mostly quite telegraphed. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that you don't see Nick die, I was yeah. like, I was like, mm, this guy ain't dead, is he? Yeah, exactly. He's going to be, he's going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> um I guess it was nice and refreshing that um, they're all women of, of different backgrounds. That was, yeah. you know, that's like the fresh take on it, but they don't really do much else different. Um, but then most spy films are the same, so we can't necessarily knock it for True. doing something that clearly is a plot device that works. But I was watching this film and I was like, is not, this not just Ava featuring Jessica that. Chastain? I was thinking I was like, that. I was like, I'm, so, I'm sure Sebastian Stan was in that film as well, but I, it was Colin Farrell, wasn't it? Uh, um, yeah, it was Colin Farrell, yeah. But I yeah, think I, mean, film, I think this film's better than that, though. Actually, maybe it isn't. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. It was, yeah. you know, entertaining enough. There was quite a lot going on. There was so many, like, rug pulls and twists and, like, this character's not who they meant to be or who they seem to be. And I was like, okay. But by the end of it, I was a bit, like, tired of it all. This is basically, like, they should have just called it MacGuffin. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I find it kind of boring, personally. Um, some of the, I think the action at the end was decent. Um, like, the whole shootout bit, I thought was pretty good. Um, but generally, I feel like maybe you could have come up with a, a better story. Because, like you say, like, obviously, we do say, like, yeah they are doing the same thing that spy films have done for, I don't know, decades. But also, that doesn't mean that 
we can't not want a better, maybe just a bit of a better plot line, I would say, rather than the one we got, which was, like you say, fairly predictable, um, fairly generic. Mm. Um, I think I could have done with a little bit of, um, maybe a bit more interaction between the, the four, the four characters. So I feel like it was, apart from the one scene, uh, in the bar when they're talking about, like, their first kills, I feel like that's the only time we ever really, like, get in, like, deep with any of the characters and even that conversation was fairly brief um, yeah I would have liked them to have gone deeper on the whole um, kind of inequality element that they <laughs> basically bolt on at the end um, because you know it's obviously deliberate that the five women are uh, five characters are women and um, you know it's, it's a lot of the men the male characters that get killed off in this which you know cool but it's not until the end where they're like oh yeah we're always overlooked and blah, they don't even allow us to have names it's like mm. well that wasn't really well i didn't personally see that as a that much of a thread throughout mm. if they'd you know because obviously um graciela ha- is a mother and um uh lupita nawongo's character is, is trying to balance like her home life but he knows about it and mace can't really have a partner and Marie is also alone. If they'd kind of maybe woven more in how it's difficult for them to balance those things or, you know, how the, the difficulties they face as a woman in this industry, then that might have been better. But yeah. is, to write at the end, just be like, oh, yeah, we're erased. So, OK, but kind of feels like they just added that on, um, mm. which is a shame because obviously it's a an important subject that... Um, you know, could be interesting to explore, but I don't think they did it that well. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was entertaining enough, but um, why do... I swear, in all of these kind of spy thriller films, they always end up going to, like, Morocco. Why? I feel like it's a, it's a popular, like, filming location. Don't know what. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, there's, like, 53 other countries in Africa. Yeah. Uh... I like, turn up in, like, Zambia or something. Mm. I want to see mm. Zambia on film. Yeah, no idea. You know, okay, yeah, one, it, of the, it, yeah. one of the twenty-four Africa Cup of Nations teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell anybody to go out and pay their money to go see it though. But talk, yeah, I mean, also, I didn't ever see a trailer for this film. I saw one trailer. Did you? I just I saw, saw a poster for it, and it was like coming out next week. I was like, what? <laughs> they have yeah. not done much advertising for this film, but um. Did you see the trailer for that new Guy Ritchie film? Um, no. What's it called? Oh. Um, I'm just trying to look it up now. Have I seen it? Uh, was, maybe I have seen it. So, um, it is called, wait for it, Operation Fortune, Ruse de... I mean, that's a French word. I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. <laughs> I haven't G- seen this trailer, but I have heard about this film. What have you heard about it? I just heard, basically I heard the, the, um, what's it called? That guy Richie was doing it and Bugs and Malone's in it and, um, the, uh, what's it called? The cast. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to watch this. Okay. Um, yeah, so, um, I'd never heard of this film, um, until I saw the trailer for it. I thought his last one was Wrath of Man, which went straight to Amazon. Um, did you see this in the, the trailer in the cinema? Yeah. Oh, right. So, from what I gather, this film is basically just um, 
probably recycled the gentleman material. <laughs> <laughs> but with Jason Statham rather than Matthew McConaughey, because it's got some of the same actors. So Hugh Ooh, Grant is in it, playing the, basically the same kind of guy with what I think is the exact same accent. Um, Bugsy Malone, or one six one. Um, he's playing some sort of enforcer, which is, you know, much of a muchness. Jason Statham. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> don't I, I, Sorry. <laughs> I was I was watching the trailer and I was like, oh, this is Wrath of Man, and I was like, oh no, it's the Gentleman. And I was mm. like, oh no, <laughs> it's a different film. It looks it looks decent, but I was like. Guy Ritchie just doing this whole rinse and repeat thing as well. Obviously quite hard to have originality these days. Yeah, I feel like it actually is. Like, yeah. Well, it is, it is, it isn't. It is, it isn't. Yeah. Until technolo- real technology changes, it's like all the same. Yeah. I think as well, like, because people know what's tried and tested, they'll go with, like, the the safe option as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks fine. Um, I'm going to watch it, I think. Yeah. Um, my phone is going to run out of battery soon, so I'm going to wrap it up. Um, there are two Netflix uh, releases that have got some kind of awards kind of buzz. Um, also, the Golden Globe nominations were released, which oh, yeah. completely passed me by. So maybe when, we could. When talk. was that? Today? No, it was. It must have been a few days ago because um, I saw. So one of the films I saw was called The Lost Daughter, and that has Olivia Coleman in. And I was like, just, you know, I always like kind of read up a bit about the films that I've watched. And it said like, oh, you know, nominated for two Golden Globes. I was like, what? When were those released? So, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll go in depth on them on the next pod. But, um, yeah, so that's one of them, The Lost Daughter, which is Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. Um, and the other one was The Power of the Dog, which features Benedict Cumberbatch as basically a bully, um, which is quite interesting. Um that's written directed by Oh you're going to answer. Uh written and directed by Jane Campion, who did a film called The Piano, uh which I think she won an Oscar for. Um both uh both reviews are on Instagram, so do check that out on uh, your average critics. Um but yeah, I mean both are very similar in that they're quite like arty and kind of slow paced, which can be quite frustrating, <laughs> particularly mm. if you watch them at home, because there are a lot more distractions than in a cinema, so um, they were both good films in their own right, but I think both characterised by a, a, a slowness, um, which, yeah, I think maybe I need... I can have slow films, but they're a bit too p- ponderous for me. But, yeah, What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say there was a film of Chloe Christmas on Netflix that I haven't finished watching yet, but... Is it good? It's all right. Okay. There's something about Androids. Yeah, I saw yeah. someone give it a 3 out of 10 earlier. So. Oh. Yeah, doesn't seem like it's going to get any better than like an average at the moment, from what oh. I would. There's an interesting, other, it's like another robots take over the world kind of concept, so. Mm. Okay. Well, I guess by the next pod, I'm going to have watched Belfast, which has got awards buzz. That's Kenneth Branagh's, I think it's semi-autobiographical um, film. And then uh, I'm going to try and watch Scream, which... It's the fifth entry of the Scream franchise, but shares the title with the first, um, which I'm sure will be much of the same because they, they pretty much are. But yeah, what are you two planning to watch before the next pod? 
if anything. Well, I wanted to watch, um, I don't know if you've seen Trace, but I wanted to watch um, Cyrano, the one with Peter Dinklage in it. Oh, yeah. But it got pushed back back to February, which I'm really annoyed about that. Oh, really? Why? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know if it's because of COVID or because of something else. I'm not sure. I saw the trailer and they started singing and I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I was actually really cool to, to see in that. But yeah, other than that, I don't really know what else is coming out, to be completely honest. Yeah, me neither. Apart <laughs> <laughs> from Scream. Um, I, which I, don't know if that... I was going to say, I watched Resident Evil, that new one. Oh, yeah. Any good? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come out in my local Odeon. No, I don't think it came out of Beckenham either, I think. Yeah, no, yeah, I went really far to watch it, yeah. Yeah, you would <laughs> probably went to View or something, Chris. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, good on you, supporting local cinemas. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, all right, well, um, I mentioned it a few times, but you can follow us on Instagram as your average critics, and we are also on Twitter at Podcast 17 Please do uh, subscribe to our podcast, leave us a five-star review, uh, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you might get your podcast from. And, uh, yeah, until next time. Peace. Keep it sexy.